I'm Sarah Rose, and this is the Mind Body Academy podcast. I'm here to teach you how to create better health from the inside out. It's not brain surgery, and I promise you can do it too. What's good, everyone? Before we dive into today's episode, I want to let you know about two ways you can support this show. The first is to head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast and leave it a review. And the second is to send this episode or any other episode to a friend. When you do this, you're not only supporting the show, you're helping create a large-scale paradigm shift where we go from a model of health based on treating disease to a model of health based on creating health. We're talking preventative healthcare and preventative mental healthcare. You have no idea how this small gesture could impact someone's life. It could literally change their life. In fact, somebody wrote to me just the other day to tell me that this podcast has. So can you think of even one person who wants to achieve better health? When the people around you are healthier and happier, I promise you will be too. All right, so let's get into it. Today, we're going to be talking about how to overcome sugar addiction. Of all the healthy habits people try to get into, going sugar-free tends to be the one that kicks most people in the butt. <laughs> Little butt sore. And I'm going to include myself in the most people category. Even though I've drastically cut back over the years, I definitely consume it more than I want to. And it's something I've kind of doubled down on lately because I've had some recurring issues with candida like a lot of women do. That made me take a step back and go, wait a minute, what's this about? Well, our bodies and especially our guts are super resilient. But in my case, I had a total health breakdown two years ago. I went through surgery for appendicitis and afterwards I kept getting all of the itises. <laughs> so laryngitis, pharyngitis, UTIs all of these kinds of things. <laughs> and because of that, I was on a cocktail of antibiotics for the better part of a year. And then more recently, at the end of last year, after I got defrauded, I had what's called adaptation disorder. So that's when an acute life stressor triggers panic attacks, but it's more situationally related. Stress and antibiotics really beat up the gut. So even though our guts can take a lot of hard and heavy hits, mine has kind of become a pinata. <laughs> and I've just been forced to recognize that I need to give it the best possible chance to make that full recovery and really rehabilitate itself, which means being on top of the nutritional interventions I can do, which leads me to be talking about sugar. And sugar is something that most of us don't realize how bad it's making us feel until we cut back on it and start feeling better. I think we could say that about a lot of other foods too. The connection between how we look and what we eat is usually a little more obvious to most people than the connection between what we eat and how we feel. So like our health, our mood, our energy, and all of those other things for some reason. <laughs> most people are living with aches and digestive issues and moodiness and stress and fatigue, and they just think that this is normal. And it isn't. And on top of that, for a lot of people, they're super immunocompromised. 
but they're still not connecting the dots back to what they're eating. When it comes to sugar, we're usually overly fixated on what it does to our waistlines and not paying enough attention to what it's doing to things like the integrity of our bones or our microbiome or our cognitive abilities like learning and memory or our reproductive system. Maybe you don't know this, but we're seeing a lot of infertility that has important links to our overconsumption of sugar, and we just don't hear a lot about that. And another thing many people don't realize is that sugar is a big driver of cancer, especially the most common forms of cancer. The reason for that is that insulin produces insulin growth factor, which in high levels can be carcinogenic. Now, I don't know if you can relate to this, but for many years when I started taking charge of my health, I thought I was eating quote-unquote healthy and that I wasn't eating that much sugar. But (laughs) let me tell you, I was eating a lot of processed foods that are marketed as healthy like protein bars or whole grain breads. And what I really wasn't paying attention to were all the hidden sources of sugar. So Montreal, where I'm from, has this massive restaurant scene. And it's easy to think that because you're eating savory, like a tom yum soup or some wild caught fish, that it's a healthy dish. But those restaurant dishes are often loaded with sugar in the marinades and sauces and broths and all that good stuff. The one that kind of boggled my mind was sushi. (laughs) I had always thought of that as a healthier option. Well, Sorry if this is breaking news to you, but sushi rice is typically made with sugar. And most people have no idea about any of this, right? When you order a dish, you're not typically thinking, hmm, what's in this? (laughs) You also want to be careful about drinking sugars, especially drinks with added sugars. But I'm even talking about juices and smoothies and those kind of things with no added sugars. Have you ever seen someone press a fresh orange juice? Well, they're putting like five or six oranges in there. So in your mind, you're thinking you're just having one glass of orange juice, but your body reads that like you just ingested five or six oranges. That's a lot of sugar. Even if it's from fruit, it's just concentrated down. Many fruit juices have more sugar in them than a can of Coke. And just to put this in perspective for you, a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola has 65 grams of sugar. That's the equivalent of about 16 teaspoons of sugar. Wowza, I know. (laughs) It doesn't matter that a glass of juice has some vitamins in it. Anything that is concentrated down like that is going to hyperstimulate insulin and disrupt the hormones that regulate your appetite and your weight. And I know that it's easy to think that you're drinking this healthy, maybe green juice, but you have to be really careful with juicing and smoothies because it's so easy to mislead ourselves. Drinking our calories often can end up jacking up our cravings and driving us to eat more food over the course of a day. Another thing to be mindful of is that food companies don't want sugar to be listed as the number one ingredient on their packaging. So what they'll do is pull a fast one on us, and they'll put several types of sugar instead. And since ingredients are listed in order of the amount, that can bump other ingredients up to the top of the list when sugar is really what needs to be one of the first ingredients listed. 
Sugar also has over 50 different names. That can be really confusing, and deciphering food labels in general is already pretty gibberish to most people. So choosing more foods that look like what they actually are and taking charge of cooking saves us a lot of headaches. That's for sure. Now, am I of the belief that we should all aspire to be 100% sugar-free 100% of the time? No, (laughs) that's not something I'm going to preach at you. But if you want to go all the way sugar-free, you do you, (laughs) boo-boo. I encourage you to do that. I just don't think that that's realistic or desirable aspiration for most people, especially for someone who's getting a lot of the pleasure they get from their lives from food. And you might think about that for yourself. What percentage of the joy in your life comes from food? When that number is really high, it usually suggests that the pleasure from food is standing in for a sense of well-being. So there needs to be a focus on what we need to add into someone's life before we do any kind of cutting back on the pleasure that they're getting from food. This is a really important step that tends to get skipped over. That's why when people hear the words detox or sugar-free, they kind of cringe, right? Because they automatically imagine themselves being restricted or deprived. They're just focused on what they won't be eating instead of seeing what they will have the pleasure of eating. Whenever you want to stop doing something like eating sugar, you want to make sure that you're crystal clear on what you'll feel good doing instead. Just trying to stop creates a vacuum that will suck you right back into the behavior you're trying to change. The behavior you're trying to change is doing something for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it. Most of us want to change before we've actually properly understood why we're doing what we're doing in the first place. What's it doing for us? So think about it. What is that sugar doing for you? What has you reaching for the sugar? I can't tell you what your reasons are. That's a lot of the work that I dive into with my clients in Think Yourself Slim. Because if you aren't doing that work, you can end up binging on the other side of restricting your sugar intake. But What I can tell you is that the reason we do anything and the reason we want what we want is because of how we feel or how we think it will make us feel. Which isn't even to say that you necessarily feel bad before you go for the sugar. You could be feeling really good, but you may not know how to amplify those feelings or keep those good feelings going without the sugary food. We also have so many positive associations with sugar like birthday cakes and breakfast cereals. Most of us had when we were kids, right? Like Frosted Flakes and Lucky Charms and Fruit Loops. Just talking about it can make us feel a little nostalgic, right? The emotional piece is so important because what's hard isn't stopping to eat sugar. You just don't eat it. What's hard is dealing with your brain and your body and with how you feel after when you don't eat it. So that's the important thing to keep in mind. Now, we have to ask ourselves, what's the big deal with sugar? We talked about some of the health problems it causes, but I want to better explain the cause of those weight-related issues and chronic diseases. When we eat sugar and starchy foods, it causes a big spike in insulin, our fat storage hormone. So our blood sugar rises. Elevated blood sugar is not in and of itself the source of the problem. 
foods that create this big whoosh of insulin are biologically addictive, meaning they trigger cravings for more, more, more. Essentially, it shocks the body with that sugar buzz, which creates an inflammatory stress response in the body. That inflammation eventually leads to insulin resistance. This is the first sign of a problem. Insulin resistance is what happens when the body has to pump more and more insulin to try and keep your blood sugar normal. The higher your insulin levels are, the worse your insulin resistance. Insulin resistance can range from mild to prediabetes to full-blown type 2 diabetes. And we've started to call this diabesity because it's usually accompanied by fat gain. I spoke about this in more detail in last week's episode, but what you need to know is that as insulin levels rise, it leads to increased fat storage, but not always visibly. Many people have insulin resistance even though their weight is in the normal range or they're athletic. And that's a big part of why over 90% of people who have this don't know they have it. But it affects just about one out of two people. Because insulin resistance and diabetes are a direct outcome of diet and lifestyle, the condition is 100% preventable and reversible in most cases. But it means detoxing from sugar and sugar-like foods and starches that are throwing your body out of balance. Sugar is an addictive substance. It is more addictive than many opiates, and I find it helpful to think of it as a recreational drug. Because sugar is empty calories. Nutritionally, we don't need it. It doesn't provide us with the vitamins and minerals we need to metabolize other foods. But we eat it because it provides us with a concentrated burst of pleasure. One of the main regions in the brain that is affected when you eat sugar is the nucleus accumbens, the addiction center of the brain. And it lights up like a slot machine every time you insert sugar. Insulin goes up, your blood sugar goes up, and you get a spike of adrenaline, which is why they call it a sugar rush. The problem is, like someone sitting down at a slot machine, that sugar rush wears off and you end up needing more and more sugar to get that same effect. And if you cut back, you go into withdrawal. You may choose to keep taking sugar, but you need to understand that there will be an immediate and long-term health effect on your neurochemistry and your biochemistry. You can't just burn it off and think it didn't have an effect on you. And you need to take into consideration the effects of overdoing it. When you eat sugar, that's a quick burning source of fuel. Expect that you will have more false hunger cues and cravings when you consume it. It will be harder to listen to what your body actually needs. I used to be hungry all of the time. That was a real struggle. I would eat and I would be hungry right again, right after. And I always had a second stomach for desserts, right? Just me? Didn't think so. (laughs) But the reason my hunger was so intense was because I was eating too much sugar. And so that would produce these massive insulin spikes that would throw the rest of my appetite regulating hormones out of balance, making me think I was hungry when I wasn't. And it would also lock the fat in the fat cells so that it couldn't get out. 
these days, after really making a conscious effort to keep my sugar intake to a minimum, I can go for hours and hours without thinking about food or snacking. I can feel nourished on two meals a day and no snacks, which if you had told me that that would be possible even a few years ago, I would have imagined this would mean the opposite, that I would feel deprived and undernourished in order to be able to do that. And let me tell you that that's very much not the case at all. So part of the reason I really emphasize the biochemical addiction to sugar is because so many people think they can't lose weight or stop eating sugar because they lack self-control or motivation or willpower. Not at all. When you're addicted, you're addicted. It doesn't matter which of these things you have and in which amounts. You cannot expect to overcome your biology with willpower alone. A drug addict's primary problem isn't a lack of willpower. So for those of you that think that this is your main issue, I encourage you to dig deeper and consider, number one, the lens of addiction, and number two, the root of that addiction. White-knuckling it will knock you to your knees every time and keep you wondering why it's so hard to stop yourself from doing what you don't want to be doing, which in this case is to stop eating sugar. It's not your fault that this keeps happening. Nobody chooses to struggle with their weight or their health. Please, please, please hear me when I say this, but it absolutely is your responsibility to do something about it. So you need to anticipate that you will likely have withdrawal symptoms when you first cut back on sugar. These typically last for a couple of days, but they can drag on for longer. The kind of things you may notice are fatigue, irritability, irregular sleep, these kind of things. But none of these are super dramatic when you have a clear plan for how you'll keep yourself nourished and when you can anticipate how you'll handle these kinds of withdrawal symptoms if they do end up affecting you. Dreading withdrawal is usually worse than withdrawal, (laughs) just to put that into frame for you. Most people I've worked with tell me that it wasn't as bad as they thought it would be. And that's in big part because they were ready for it. So it wasn't anything to freak out about. I hope that helps put your mind at ease if you're wanting to reduce your sugar intake. Make sure you plan it out. What you add into your diet and your life is as important as what you take out, if not more so. And I'll keep reemphasizing that. When it comes to cutting back on sugar, I think we're facing two things, an education gap and an application gap. On the one hand, you have to put in the research to create the awareness and be willing to ask the right questions of your trusted healthcare practitioner. But you also have to be willing to put in the work. This doesn't happen overnight. In my own personal journey, I kept trying to make the case for sugar. (laughs) I kept regressing back to having desserts and sweets here and there and then a little too regularly. Those kinds of things really shouldn't be staples of your diet. And I talk about this on my podcast episode on willpower, but it takes much more willpower to resist a second bite of food than the first bite. That first bite is like a mouthgasm. (laughs) You actually physically cannot stop yourself from having more. That's why it's so easy to go ham on a box of cookies or end up eating the entire tub of ice cream. Plus, the moment you up your sugar intake even just a little, you're also upping your sugar and carb cravings, 
both in the moment and in the days to come. So again, I'm not saying you have to cut sugar out of your life completely, (laughs) but I want you to be mindful of what sugar is doing to you when you're consuming it. And I definitely, definitely recommend detoxing of sugar for at least 30 days, one to two times per year. In my case, it's been a progressive cutting back with several sugar detoxes to help me along. And if you want help with this, that's what the 30-day Genius Body Detox is for. The biggest reason that people come to this community is because once you try to go sugar-free, once you try to make all of these other dietary changes along with that, you realize very quickly that people around you are very much in the throes of addiction themselves, of food addiction, right? I like to call these people sugar pushers or food pushers because people will act as enablers and egg you on and make it seem like it's no big deal for you to make all kinds of exceptions. But it's not about them and what they think. It's about you. And it can be hard to stabilize in that awareness. If you're trying to figure out all of this stuff on your own, there's going to be so much trial and error that a lot of the time it's just going to end up feeling like it's not worth the effort. So I can't overemphasize the importance of having a community and support as you go through a detox enough. You need people around you that get what you're up against and what you're going through who can coach and support you. Understanding that sugar really is an addiction informs the approach that we have to take. If you're trying to help someone overcome their heroin addiction, you're not like encouraging them to do a little hit of heroin from time to time and just go easy on it. Moderation just doesn't work. You need periods where you detox completely to rebalance your biochemistry and decondition your cravings. The Genius Body Detox is like hitting a giant refresh button on your brain chemistry, your hormones, your taste buds, your metabolism, and many of us don't realize how powerful it is to do this, especially if we don't have weight loss on our minds. But everyone can benefit from doing this. So are we doing this? or what. (laughs) I hope I'll have you join me for 30 days that will give you that fresh start you've been craving. Let's do this. I'll see you in there. Talk to you all again very soon. Kind of wish life came with a refresh button? Join the Genius Body Detox to start looking and feeling your best in as little as 30 days. Just click on the link in the show notes or visit thegeniusbody.com. And let's start fresh today. Hey there, me again. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I just wanted to remind you that this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is meant to inspire and inform you. It does not constitute medical advice or services. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified professional. If you need care or assistance, seek help from your trusted healthcare provider.